Good evening and welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandsbury. Good evening and welcome to our Central South Sea Hustings. Good evening, Simon. And amazing to be here on a Thursday night. It makes uh, such a change, but... um. Just two weeks to go now, and the Hustings frenzy is in full swing. I think, is this number six or number five? This is number five, isn't it? Oh, I've lost I? count now. No, we're, we're going to go with number we're five. Gonna, <laughs> um, go, go with five. Go but, with, uh, but after this, we've we, we've got that's a good that's a good um, um, a good sale there. So so after today, we've got Eastie and Crane's Water on Sunday. Um, it's also at 6.27 and then the following Sunday we've got Hilsey at 6.27 and we're busily trying to organise the Milton Hustings at the moment we're just trying to line up the very busy calendars of respective candidates in- so um, so that's in the offing if we can get that to work Indeed and, and this evening Central South Sea and I guess you know Central South Sea by its very nature um, quick overview the ward is, is probably one of the smallest wards of the city Um Lots of terrace houses and all those kind of known names like Goldsmith Avenue, Albert Road, Winter Road, sort of on its borders. So it is there right in the very heart of city. Most of the uh, the ward has kind of lots of terrace housings, not so much parking. And I think, as always, parking might come up as one of our topics later today. Um, but the perfect ward really for walking and cycling and cycling and active travelers you can get to the town center and the seafront with minimal strolling or cycling um politically it is a hotbed of contestation i'm not sure that's a word but we'll go with it in the last five elections um it's narrowly three two but to labor over the lib dems but um we know that this one is going to be pretty hotly contested and Luckily, uh, rather generously, we've got the Lib Dem and the Labour councillors joining us this evening. Welcome, Susie and Josh. Thank you for joining us. Um, We were intending to also have uh, Lee Tyndall from Portsmouth Independence Party joining us, uh, but unfortunately um, he's unwell and and is worse than we're for some medication, so... Um, probably not that fair to put him into a husting situation. So uh, get well soon, Lee. Um, but unfortunately, Lee couldn't join us. Uh, but we do have a um, a submitted written statement from the Conservative candidate um, for um, so that she'll have opening and closing statements that I'll read out on her behalf um, because she had a prior commitment um, that was clashing uh, with the husting, so she couldn't attend. So in which case, without further ado, then. Um, Simon, can you grasp the narrative and uh, following our most scientific off-screen activities of coin flipping and choosing, um, I believe we've got uh, we've got Alicia's statement first, we've got Susie mm-hmm. second, and Josh last but by no means least, unless I have once again it- lashed up the order. No, you're fi- you've got it right, you're fine. Um, you are kind of disappearing off to the bottom corner of the camera, but don't worry, we'll... Um, we'll- um, we'll we'll manage. We'll remember what you look like. It's fine. Absolutely. Um, so um, yeah. So uh, just to clarify, um, we did a highly scientific coin toss uh, just before we went live, um, and in that, um, the candidates in the order that they had um, they'd actually agreed in, uh, to come onto the hustings uh, were asked to decide if they if they won that toss to decide uh, which position they wanted to be in that order, um, and that order uh, runs for the opening and closing statements. Um, so that means that Alicia's statement will be first. Um, um, but our questions will alternate uh, between uh, between the two candidates that are joining us, um, so that they each have a have an option to um, ask answer a question first, um, and answer obviously a question second. But after each um, after both have had a response, there's an option for um, each of them to use a um, a short rebuttal to um, to respond to um, something that the um, that the other candidate has said. Um, so hopefully that will make sense. Um, and it's quite plain sailing. Um, um, so shall I shall I get myself ready um, to um, to read out um, Alicia's yes. Alicia's speech for us? Um, so while I'm just doing that, please do remember May the fourth is the first um, yep. local election that you're gonna need to have photo ID to vote in person. So um, if you have 
if you're not sure that you've got photo ID or indeed that your photo ID looks like you, um, then you can get a free voter authority certificate. Um, I applied for one on a Saturday and got, got mine back on a Thursday. So they come through pretty snappy um, and it's free to apply for online. But the closing date for applying for free photo ID, the voter authority certificate is 5 p.m. on the 25th of April. So please, uh, please do bear that um, in mind. Um, and you can find more details about what forms of photo ID are usable um, by scanning the QR code in the top left-hand uh, corner of the screen. That'll take you uh, to our website where there's links to the Electoral Commission so you can find out more uh, more details there. Um, but yes, so um, I'm just going to get the, um, the timer sorted um, and I'm kind of ready to go to, um, to read out Alicia's speech. Go so, for it. Um, this is her opening speech. I've lived and worked in various parts of the city through uh, most of my life, including Central Southsea, and I still love its community atmosphere, especially in the south of the city. Portsmouth people are honest and speak their minds, a quality I value highly, even if I don't always get the answers you want. I believe representatives of the people should not pretend they know everything, but should be prepared to really communicate, listen and to respond appropriately to residents who put them in the job. Being elected as a councillor is an important job, responsible for decisions aimed at improving residents' lives and spending millions of pounds of public money. Yes, public, not their own, money that hard-earned council taxes contributed by the men and women who live and work in the city and who have to trust elected councillors to have their best interests at heart. But I worry about the potential for there being a hidden agenda. For example, a low-traffic neighbourhood such as those controversially being introduced in towns such as Oxford and Canterbury, are they on the cards for Southsea under a different name? Current plans for a one-way system in roads east of Fawcett Road may have looked pretty on paper on the civic offices or more, more likely on a council officer's home study, um, but they are, really, uh, are they really practical and have the needs of all road users and residents been considered? There seems to be a war against the freedom of private car drivers to use their vehicles as they choose. We can't turn the clock back and remove motorised vehicles at the sweep of a pen. There must be compromise to help us live together happily and to travel however we need and wish to do the minimum do do wish to do with the minimum disruption to others. My apologies for the stumble there. Thank you, Simon, on behalf of Alicia. Okay, so um, so next up is um, is Susie. So um, Susie, when you're when you're ready. Thank you. Um, I've been a councillor in Central South Sea Ward for the last eight years. For the last five of those, I've been on the cabinet, first of all, as the education portfolio person. And then uh, just before the pandemic, I was uh, happily given children's services. And the last two years, I've also been deputy leader. I was born and raised in South Sea. I come from many, many generations of a proud Portsmouth family. I look after my 104-year-old grandmother and my mum. And in fact, my nan lived in my ward and brought my mum up a couple of roads away from where I'm sitting now. I became a teacher at the age of 23 and I loved working in challenging East London schools. I got a bit disillusioned with education, the whole philosophy of education and the way schools were going. So after 15 years, I was deputy head teacher of a, a school and I left and returned to Portsmouth to take up a lecturing job at the university, mainly doing teacher training and teaching assistant training, but also doing um, educational theory. But I also came back to be nearer to my family, my football club and the sea. I love being a counsellor. It's a role that suits all the things I think I'm best at. I like people. I like listening. I like problem solving, I like getting things done, and I like seeing how small changes fit into a bigger picture. But I also like caring. So not, not only do I, like a lot of people, care for my family, but I really care about my community and my city. And in my current role, I'm able to demonstrate that on two levels. On a ward level, helping people with individual things and improving my local area and also in on my deputy role on the strategy policy and partnership working. To have the privilege of services as city council, uh, councillor is a real honour. Wow, how's that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, a couple of seconds. Right, um, Joshua, um, 
your um, your opening speech, please. Perfect. Are you there? So my name is Joshua Allen. I'm uh, the candidate, Labour candidate for Central South seat. Um, I'm just a kind of little bit about me. So I've spent my entire career in criminal justice. So I graduated from university in criminal justice and, and I've worked in it for, for, for a considerable amount of time. I moved to Portsmouth about five, six, five, six years ago now um, just for work and ended up staying because I just I'll be honest, I absolutely love it. So there's so much to do, so much to see, so many people to see, and uh, and I just absolutely love it. So when I moved down, I kind of got a little bit involved in politics. So I, I, I've always been a member of the Labour Party, um, but I got a little bit more involved with Stephen Morgan and then with the local councils. And as I've kind of learned, you, there's more you can do on a local basis than there is on a national basis. So I got way more involved and started to see the things that we could possibly do together, like what we could aim for, what we could achieve. So I think the three things that we want to do is make it cleaner, make it greener and make it safer. That means ensuring that graffiti is taken down. That means wilding projects similar to what Charlotte has been working on. And then I'm looking to work with services such as social services or youth offending to try and encourage those safer areas around Portsmouth. And I think I have the, the the knowledge of how to do so and I can work really hard to do so as well. I've been working all year to try and achieve what I can, including some small projects. And I've been working with um, my uh, council, um, council ward councillors and Stephen Morgan to try and improve some of those areas so I'm hoping for a, for a vote on in May. Brilliant thank you both to okay. um, fabulous opening Test addresses that. there and um, we'll now take you into some questions you've touched on a, a couple of the um, a couple of the issues in those opening addresses but our first question is you know while you're out pounding the pavements and knocking doors what are the people of Central South Sea are telling you the most important issues for this ward and can i ask that first to joshua please yeah sure so that that varies depending on the different areas so um we've it's i think across the areas it's been around road safety i was only walking to work about a couple of couple of weeks ago about two three weeks ago and a gentleman got knocked off of his his bike unfortunately and just kind of it shows you the the road safety issues that are around so and that's why we've kind of been working towards the active pompey neighborhoods we've been we've been supporting that where we can but under you've got to have that under consultation with met with with residents in the ward so if you just apply it without consultation people don't really understand what's going on you get some bad bad policy so for example in the north of the ward on orchard road we were approached by businesses um, that were, were really raising concerns so we we talked to those residents around some of the concerns that they had especially around businesses and we've raised that with the council for us to feed back um, yeah i think that's in that that part of the area and then you've got other places so um, in the east of the area there's more anti-social behavior problems along those lines which is something that we've raised with local police and unfortunately traffic as well so parking on on yellow lines um, and that type of thing where people are trying to get out especially say on Brompton Road so those are other things and then we've also been facing a lack of greenery roughly so um, Charlotte Gerarda in particular has been working with Wilder Portsmouth to try and increase the amount of greening in the area. I've been there as well, so we've planted some trees. Um, I'm going to have a new tree as well, so we've been walking with Wilder. So they've got those, um, I think they're called environmental corridors to allow bugs and stuff to come come down. So there's quite a different variation depending on where you are in the in the ward. Thank you, Joshua. So, Susie, what is it you're hearing on the doorstep as the big issues in Central South Sea? Um, I would say um, by far the, the, the most common thing that comes up is around clean streets, cleaner, safer, greener. We're on the same page here. Um, we have, it's the most densely populated ward outside London and um, the issues around that, um, Joe. So we have a lot of things around bins, um, recycling, 
um, full court problems and also the challenges around um, bins on on flat on the streets in flat fronted houses. So we've done quite a lot of work like that, set up um, a project with the university around education um, for when the students arrive in September. Um, to and they've we've set up um, a situation where they have ambassadors so we go round with them um, talking to um, students who might have come from all over the country and have different recycling areas um, the other thing that comes up still is parking of course it wouldn't be Portsmouth if it wasn't a parking story um, the the history of parking in Central South Sea is very interesting because uh, the, there was a democratically elected or voted for parking zones which were taken away by the Conservatives. And um, actually, um, I led a campaign to try and get people to have the chance to say whether they wanted them back or not. They're the least, um, the least uh, worst view, um, sort of solution, in my view. We have 1.6 cars. Um, registered to every house in the city, so that's a challenge. We have issues around um, houses of multiple occupancy, well, that's coming up later, and also around very, very minimal green space in, in, in the area. We have a, a few pocket parks, we have a little green in Devonshire, um, but we have to be creative in our way of adding greenery for um, health and, um, and just aesthetic reasons. And again, I have worked also with um, a lot of community groups around the, the greening agenda. Um, achieved a lot, but a lot more to do. Brilliant. Thank you, Susie. Do either of you want to use the additional 30 seconds to come back on anything the other candidate has said? I just want to add a little bit more about the active Pompey neighbourhoods because um, I managed to get um, the money secured in the council for that. And that was by pulling together different issues. But actually, the key to it was was constant cycled um, consultation. So no scheme was come up without consultation. The con then the, when the consultation happened, a proposed scheme has happened where there's been extensive consultation, including with the shops. And then there will be um, another opportunity for consultation as and when the final design goes in. Thank you, Susie. Joshua, you want to add something? Yeah, um, just in terms of it's not necessarily a rebuttal, but more of an add, and as you said, Susie, in terms of um, recycling rates in the city are extremely low. Um, when I was kind of moved to the hour, I was shocked that the amount of recycling that was available was quite minimal, not, not glass on the door, not anything along those lines. So that's something that we'll be pushing for quite hard. Perfect. Thank you both. In which case, I will now pass you on to Simon for question two. Lovely. Thank you very much, Ian. OK, so um, so our next question, um, as we mentioned in the introduction, Albert Road marks the southern edge of the ward. Um, what would you do to see the council? Sorry, what would you see the council do to help local shopping areas like Albert Road uh, survive and thrive? And if I can ask that first to Susie, please. Yeah, thank you. Um, we love Albert Road, don't we? As as the saying goes, and um, and 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 I've seen it go from strength to strength over the years. I mean, obviously, went there when I was a child, and now I, as as a, as a much older person, I can see what's changed and what and and what is still the same. And uh, of course, we've got at the heart of it, we've got a theatre as well. I think the first thing is that we do need to acknowledge that we don't own the shops and we don't set the rates. So there's a national there's a national challenge here around that, about how much you're in control of your own destiny. But I think that what the council does and can and will continue to do is to is to look at support and enabling people to thrive in terms of you know their, their businesses, particularly in the, in the current times, which are very challenging. So we have, for example, a high streets officer who's got a really good relationship um, with the groups that are down in Albert Road, there's South Sea Independent Traders and then there's Arta as well. And that those council officers are almost part of those of that team. They are there accessible. They are there to help with them and they work in liaison in terms of with the police um, if there are challenging issues, but also more proactively around a relationship with the council to deal with with challenges. Um, during the pandemic, for example, we um, were one of the first um, local authorities to get a business support line going. And obviously we use the mechanisms within the council to give small business grants out. And uh, that's something we're very proud of. Um, we also um, do things like using some of the levelling up money to do. I know it's the mural 
in is in Hilsey, but in actual fact, it was the Corner Collective, which is based in Albert Road, that we were able to work with, the council was able to work with around um, commissioning that piece of work. And of course, the other thing is around shopping local and what we can do as a council to promote that so that people actually and creating the success in their own local community in terms of businesses. Fantastic, thank you. And Josh, um, same question to you, please. Yeah, so um, so there's lots we can do specifically around Albert Road. We're looking uh, potentially at the possibility of bringing back an Albert Road day, which would be, would be amazing. So I know that the council organises one in Fratton and Osborne Road. So I think that's something that we should, we should really be bringing to Albert Road because it's got such a thriving economy. And it's built up of small and small and medium-sized businesses, which I think are the backbone of, uh, of of our city. Really, the amount of independent shops. So that's something that Stephen's Morgan's been working with, and we're looking to support him on. And that's the support local campaign. So the majority of money that that kind of goes to those smaller companies are not it's not going abroad to somewhere. It's going literally to somebody's somebody in the city's pocket and then they can then spend that within the local economy as well so i think that's definitely something that we can work with um in particular as well i'd like to see more murals so as you may or may not have seen so on the corner or on the bottom of Fawcett road there's some graffiti on the side that, that they'd really been struggling with and i spoke to my dog size if you know the artist to try and put a nice nice mural on the side and i'd love to see more of those especially with um that has more well that like additional ones that have like portsmouth based things so i'd love to see those so if we're talking about the birthplace of charles dickens we can we can look at some of those things and really advertising what the city has to offer but in addition to that it, we also have Fawcett road within the ward so i think that's something that we need to support there as well those small businesses but these businesses of of course are more susceptible to economic downturn so we need to offer them the support that they need to, to survive basically i hope that's okay no, it's great. Thank you very much. You're, you're both doing very well when it comes to running to time so far. So um, um, putting other candidates to shame, so shall we say. Um, we're not going to name them, though, are we? No, no, no. No, are. absolutely not. Um, um, so anybody want to use their 30-second rebuttal to come back on either of those responses at all? In which okay. case, I'll take you into question Lovely. three. So as well as shops, um, Albert Road has its fair share. And, and in fact, the whole ward has its fair share of pubs, eateries, and you know my personal favourite, the Wedgwood Rooms, the King's Theatre. How is it possible to balance a thriving nighttime economy with the needs of the residents to, to get peace and quiet and sleep? And can I ask that first, please, to Joshua? Yeah, of course. So, um, as you know, and, and as we know, there's lots and lots of pubs and 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 uh, live live music events in, in the city in general, as well as in the ward. We've got the Wedgwood Rooms, and it's really a balance and act between these these um, these properties and the general residents of the city, because if if one has one over the other then it's not that balance and then one will lose out so if we lose albert road we don't want to lose albert road at all and we don't want we don't want local residents to feel like they're they're unfortunately being put down there so it's a, it's about ensuring that balance so one of the things that we often do so one of the residents and i won't name the street or the, or the place but one of the residents raised a, a pub had been leaving um been putting some stuff on the side and unfortunately the lady was disabled was, was unable to pass it so these built these companies have licensing around alcohol and live music so it's about talking to them so that they understand what residents need and then residents talking to residents about what the what the, what the businesses need as well so it's really about that that balancing element to it we'd love to encourage more of them um so I've recently been down to a recording studio on on South Sea, in South Sea, and um, they've said that there's lots of local um, artists that would love support. So I think we can offer that. We can offer that support, and the council should do do some things around supporting residents to kind of a better access to it, if that makes sense. Um, the one last thing I would say, sorry as well, is that with them. Um, with like music festivals as well so we've seen from around the around the uk that 
sometimes they offer balloting systems so we'd love to encourage um we'd love to encourage kind of festivals in the city to offer free tickets to some residents as well and so we will keep trying to encourage them so that they have access and they understand what what's what's there to offer really thank you joshua susie the nighttime economy how do we balance that up with the uh the need for sleep so it's an interesting conundrum that one in in the area um and i suppose it, to some extent it, it depends what you mean by the nighttime economy because um food theatre music all those things going along on um albert road and um and and we really value them and of course the music venues as well um we actually have a really good again the council has a good relationship um, with the nighttime economy down there and um, actually in most areas of the city. And I suppose really at the end of the day, it's around the effectiveness of licensing um, and actually having that proactive relationship there with licensing and licensing working around the management of these organisations um, and licensing having a sort of cognizance and, set, and sense of um, of what else is around. And I remember I was heavily involved with um, a campaign that was trying to stop the relocation of a lap dancing club into next door to the Wedgwood Rooms and the um, old um, Conservative Club, interestingly. Um, and, and, and it wasn't so much that I, I didn't want it to go there and it wasn't so much on any moral grounds or anything. It was around the fit with the area and also it was particularly around the timings. And it, although it got through on planning, it actually didn't get through on licensing. And the re, and the and the reason it was the business case really was stacked up about having long term drinking. And um, part of the narrative around that was about it wasn't about um, whether it should be in Albert Road or not. It was about the disconnect between the other timings of other places around there. So I think that kind of um, interconnected understanding of it is really important. And also the other thing, again, come back to relationships, the Wedgwood Rooms has invested massively in, in soundproofing. So that's something, again, that we can work with businesses to see, to do everything we can to make them succeed in whatever their outcomes are. Perfect. Thank you, Susie. Either of you have anything to add? Then I shall hand you to Simon. Okay, lovely. Thank you very much. So our next question um, is um, talking about housing. So how can the need for affordable housing uh, be met while restricting the proliferation? Uh, I'll say that again. The proliferation. I haven't been drinking, honestly, of HMOs. <laughs> and and um, if I can put that first to Susie, please. Okay, I, I need to challenge a little bit on the question, Simon, because. The proliferation of HMOs may have happened a while ago. I'm not too sure whether that's currently the case, um, because as anyone who has any knowledge of Central South Sea will know that under the um, the 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 um, the ability of people to um, have buy to let, that there was a very rapid and rampant expansion of um, or change from C3s family homes to C4s HMOs a while back and there was an article 4 directive that was brought in by the Lib Dems to actually what was is euphemismally known as the 10% rule um which actually was really really good um at at stopping that proliferation however i think what you might be um also alluding to is possibly the the, the change of hmos to super hmos which is a big big challenge in the area and we have it and it's a challenge for the council because we're in a situation where um we are in some ways powerless if if it if it doesn't break our space standards we're powerless to convince the regional planning inspectors that actually just one more room or just two more rooms doesn't make a material planning difference anyway i will i will i'll will, I will quit on that one there i could talk about it for hours <laughs> and have been at many 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 planning committee meeting talking about it but also on 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 the about affordable housing i do think it's worth mentioning that we are a council that buys back council houses we've and we bought over 400 back we've got an amazing project with Horatio and Leamington which was of course they were taken down because of the cladding issues and um 
we're, we've got a very good story when it comes to actually um, social housing, but we do need high quality shared accommodation in the city without it being an anti HMO thing. Okay, notwithstanding um, the premise of the question um, being challenged. Um, Josh, would you like to answer, answer that one? Yeah, sure. So, uh, um, well, as is a most a very very densely populated um, ward, as as we're all aware, and and it's about those levels. It's not about challenging HMOs. It's about the how frequent they are on, say, a road. So we we'll always try and push for separation of those, and and but as as Susie has said, it is difficult. However, we can keep pushing for those um, where we possibly can. Um, and I suppose the other thing is the need of genuinely affordable and credible housing, so not poor housing. And unfortunately, so I've, from what I've seen around the, the tip of development that's now on hold, um, it's cost a lot of money in planning. And then from my knowledge as well, around the bid towards the St. James's position, that, that, that was about one pound, according to lots of sources. So I think we naturally need to look at a more general understanding of housing, how we can develop it, how we can support um, developers to build sustainable housing and, um, and holding them to account where we possibly can. Um, yeah, so I will be continually working with residents that do raise issues and raising it with war colleagues that are that are um, in the licensing and planning committees as well. Okay, thank you. Um, either of you need you need to use your thirty second rebuttal there. I was just curious about how you would separate out the HMOs when they've already got planning permission for them, because that's a that's a challenge. Is where they were, you know the horse had already bolted and what would you do about those roads when you said you'd separate them out well it's more around the the concentration of them on a road and we would do as best as we can we've got lots of people internally that would be able to support us um you said that you'd put forward some some uh, a motion towards council but my understanding is that hasn't done anything so we would continue working with with our internal party around it okay Thank you both. Ian. So inflation's above 10%. Fuel costs are rising and all parties uh, in this year's uh, uh, voted for a 4.99% rise in council tax. So with the cost of living crisis spiking, what more should councils be doing to support residents? And can I ask that first, please, to Josh? Yeah, sure. So... Um, as we know, we're in a, in a cost of living crisis at the moment and, and bills are through the roof. And, and on the doorstep, I've spoken to people, mums that, that have been working with their young children and they're genuinely struggling at the moment. And that's why we in the Labour Party put forward a cost of living fund to go towards residents to support them where we possibly can. Um, and then in addition to that, so internally within the party, I put forward what's known as the warm spaces motion, which was passed on to our councillors and we passed that. And that's been adopted throughout the city as well to offer warm spaces towards, um, to, well, we were looking at it towards anybody. I know that in some areas it's just specific people, but we'd like to expand some of those and offer support where we possibly can. Um, it's, it's very difficult. In addition to that, our, our, our councillor Yinko has put forward a motion towards supporting families around um, around their school uniforms for that form of support. It's, it's very difficult at the moment. And um, I think families are really, really feeling it. So, yeah, we will continue to do that. We've worked with St Margaret's Church around, um, around kind of... Um, food pantries and we'll also and food banks and we'll keep putting our support towards them and seeing what families need at this at this really difficult time okay thank you josh susie cost of living crisis what more should councils be doing yeah this is an interesting one because in my deputy leader role i was leading around some of the responses to this i, I just think before answering this question i do want to say that that this is a this is austerity plus the pandemic now in a 
cost of living crisis and actually the impact of Brexit as well have left the needs of the of people in the city to um, it, it, what was a poor city anyway in a really, really difficult circumstances. And um, I'm frequently talking about the, the unequal experience of the pandemic. Um, and and what it did was to divide, I think, the haves and the haves not even more. So we're already a we're all an already deprived city, and we are now in a situation where we're having to support people and make really difficult and challenging decisions. But the council has actually um, allocated and spent over three point seven million pounds in the last year, and we have to make decisions about how that that goes. And we we do. As, we, as the cost of living crisis first started, we actually had some decisions that we wanted to make, for example, around free school meals. We had announced our free school meals before Marcus Rashford intervened, although I have to say he was far more effective than any politician. Um, but we also extended that to early years, six forms. We did food vouchers. We've got a really, really good holiday and activity um, programme, which, which the DfE are really interested in. We have excellent partnership working, say, with the Hive. So we do support around um, school uniforms. Um, we've done extensive comms to try and help people to be able to help themselves, as well as all sorts of discretionary grants and energy saving um, measures. It's never enough, but I I am actually proud of the response that the council has made um, to um, making not enough go as far as possible. Thank you. So, either of you want to use your additional 30 seconds? Yeah, I, I do have something to say with regards to that. I think Susie mentioned the government's um, impact of austerity. And unfortunately, it was her party that worked with the Conservatives since in 2010. And we haven't seen a pay rise since 2010. And unfortunately, it's, it's part of her party's getting into bed basically with the Conservatives and working people haven't had a pay rise in a considerable amount of time. So these these kind of cost of living crises were kind of really like we're waiting for them really when working people don't have money. Okay, thank you. Susie, would you like to come back on that? I know it's predictable. I mean, you expect it. But um, the only thing I would also add is that during that uh, coalition time, of course, the most popular uh, policies around free school meals, which are now being adopted by other parties, uh, were started under under that coalition. But I won't rise to debate on the others. It's very, uh, very expected. Thank you, Susie. In which case, Simon, the floor is yours. OK, so... Um, it wouldn't really be much of a conversation about local politics in Portsmouth if we didn't mention parking. Um, so parking is a problem here, like it is in most parts of the city. Um, how can we solve rat run culture and solve parking without car users being pitted against those who are choosing active travel like cyclists? And that first to Susie, please. Okay, so yeah, parking is a challenge. I've already said a couple of things um, about it earlier on. Um, that that it is a conundrum. I, I, I'm just speaking to somebody today who says the parking's bad and then tells me that she has three cars. And and in the most polite way, and I did make her laugh, I did say, you know, um, you're not quite as bluntly, you are the problem. But um, interesting stats on it, because over 50% of people in um, Portsmouth don't own a car. And when you actually look at it, the, the majority of the challenge, i.e. the more than one car registered per property, is actually a very minority of people. However, I always understand their story when we have um, limitations in terms of the alternative. So um, in terms of the um, how people can get from um, one school to another, for example, and dropping their kids off. Um, how good are the bus routes? How good are how good are, are the alternatives? But in theory, we are a flat, small, compact city, and we should um, we should be able to um, to to change things more easily. But of course, what the change is is the is 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 the people. And it's about relationships and taking people with us and and looking at the um, bigger picture. So um, the 
the the residence parking zones, as I said before, I, I went through the central South Sea one, is um, I think the least worst solution. We know absolutely that in bringing it in, we reduced um, cars within the zone because we have student population. And I've worked with the university around, for example, the bus that, that they pay for to help with that, but also to try and help um, impose their um, their policies around not owning cars in the city. I think I'll leave it there. Okay, thank you very much. Josh? Yeah, um, as, as we know, the parking is a problem throughout Portsmouth. Um, I actually ended up losing my, well, losing, I scrapped my car just because of my ability to park and getting home. So I use public transport for the majority of my, my journeys. Um, it's one of those ones where we're going to have to encourage other people to use other forms of transport around the city. That's why we're supporting people around cycling. Um, we've always been pushing for these bike hire schemes, and I'd like to see more of these car hire schemes as well. So that's something that we'd like to push forwards. Um, with regards to parking, it's always raised as a concern. So several times that there are people that would kind of just leave their car as a chance it. So we're always out and about knocking doors. If there's an issue, we'll talk to traffic enforcement, for example, on Chetwin Road on the corner of um, on the corner of Lawrence Road. There are lots of vans parking. So we spoke to traffic enforcement to uh, see if they can increase their patrols, which we did. Um, and, and we're thankful for that. And in addition to that, we'll keep working to try and find other forms of transport and about making the more accessible so when i'm saying more accessible i mean buses need to be better understood and I'm, I'm gonna i'm hoping to work with bus companies because when you kind of come into the city you have no idea where they go unless you've lived here for a considerable amount of time so or you use google maps but that's one of the two but if it's easier accessible for people then they will use it more often and and i'll be thankful for that as well okay thanks josh um, anyone need to use their 30 second rebuttal on that question? No, just a little extra piece of information around um, the buses is that we, uh, we, we, we've got 38 million pounds from our bus strategy improvement um, plan, which is um, one of the highest amounts in the south of the country. So let's be optimistic about uh, some of the things that can be done with that. OK, thank you. Ian. There's something less positive now. Uh, Antisocial behaviour, burglary and theft are, are kind of blighting both the residents and the traders in your ward. What What's your solution? Joshua, please. Yeah, sure. So as you've mentioned, antisocial behaviour, burglary and theft, these are all very different crimes. So they all respond. You can you can respond to those each differently. So at Portsmouth Labour, we're, we're, we're pushing for a safer neighbourhoods funds. But um, when I when and if I get elected, I'm looking to work with the local council about preemptive um, solutions. So when I'm talking about that, if it's antisocial behaviour, you need a multi-agency response. It's no point in sending a police officer to then um, kind of persecute a young person who's only then going to be released and then and then commit a further offence. So what it is, is about offering some of these young people um, other opportunities so and, and it's sometimes referred to as a health-based response so it's about talking to them seeing what we can offer them so rather than kind of committing antisocial behavior they have better options rather than just being seen as a problem we can see if we can support them to try and improve their lives in general in terms of burglaries and thefts so i've been i spoke to a member of the um the wardens kind of um, around, and I'll be also speaking to the um, the police about what we can do in terms of improving the level of patrols in certain areas, but also offering support where we can to these families that are sometimes um, uh, that are sometimes kind of victims of them. So it's kind of one of my my specialist areas. I've spent a a considerable amount of time in criminal justice so I'm really looking to kind of get in and work with the council and the police to address it from a multi-agency response I mean I can go into some of the detail but we only have about 10 seconds so I'll uh, I'll leave it there thank you Joshua Susie well in a kind of heartening way Josh and I are on the same page on this um so 
I think uh, what I would say is that in terms of antisocial behaviour, the council has limited, but it has uh, limited powers, but it definitely has a role to play. And I, for me, and um, this is my children's hat on and my education hat on, is it's a complex issue for society. And I absolutely agree with the um, with this sense that, that that it shouldn't just be a punitive response to something. You have to look at the causes of the of the causes. And um, in my role, I'm on the yacht board, the youth offending team board, and obviously um, as part of my uh, responsibility around children's and children and families, the the families and the children that tend to come to my attention and 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 have our focus are 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 ones who are struggling and challenging. I think this this sense that children you see some of the language on social media about children being feral or needing to be punished on and this kind of attitude of vilifying them is actually replaces what I think should be the term that's used, which is around vulnerability. We have a big problem in the city with county lines. Um and um when you when you hear this the case studies of some of these these young people and their, their vulnerability around that. It is it's really quite shocking. So we we need to work um, with the council needs to work with the police. We need to work with social workers. We need to work with families um, in order to try and uh, obviously uh, f focus on the outcomes of those those the victims and also the people who are perpetrating in a, in a positive way. Um, just uh, in my last 15 seconds, we must mustn't forget that we've lost so many police. It's a thousand less police officers, and although there's, and also reduction in um, PCSOs as well. So whilst there are warm noises about this, we still have an issue on that area. Thank you both. Either of you want to add anything? Yeah, um, I will add something. So Susie said it was previously predictable but unfortunately her party was again part of austerity and we have very few police officers on the street but I do agree with her and but there is things that the council can do so for example there's places in Southampton that what's known as a missing exploited child um, team and they can work to so these young children a lot of the time is that they'll go to different areas that's what county lines are and they will often be missing without without realising. So um, I want to work with those. I know we have lots of the services available um, and it's just about bringing them together a lot of the time. Susie, anything to add? Just just an additional point that we work with uh, with different local authorities across the region and area and we have very extensive um, service in that area. But Thank you both. Still more to do. Still more to do indeed, <laughs> yes. Thank you both. Simon. Okay, so... Um, the almost certain outcome of this election um, is going to lead to no overall control. Um, no one, it would appear mathematically, is likely to be in a situation to secure a majority um, to, um, to, um, to run the council outright. How would you ensure you get the best deal for the wards residents um, in, in that scenario? Um, and that first to Susie, please. Yeah, it's interesting. Thoughts with politics is very interesting because um, there's a reputation that, that that around the volatility of it and the and the no overall control, and yet we've had an incredibly stable and uh, and and long leadership over the last 20, 20 years. So it is very interesting if you look at the amount of, uh, for example, council leaders in Southampton. I think there's five in the time that we had Gerald and 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 Donna here. So. Um, I, for me, it is around, it is looking at the impact of that. So the words say there's no overall control and there's a sense that that means that there's a turbulence and chaos on, or, or whatever. And in actual fact, there's a lot of stability here. So coming back to specifically to the question, um, what would I do for my ward's residents? Well, actually, I'll carry on doing what I've been doing for eight years, because for the first part of my when I was elected, I was, we were in opposition, the Tories were in control, and I managed to get some really significant things done in the ward in opposition, including 
the traffic calming, for example, on 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 France's Avenue, and worked with residents um, and, and to get that in. That's just one example there, and um, some other significant work around outside of Cornwall Court around access accessibility issues. So you can get things done when you're in when you're in opposition. Um, so, and I would carry on. I would carry on doing that. So, um, yeah, I think that was the main points that I wanted to make. Thank you very much, Josh. Yeah, um, similar to Susie, I would would indeed question some parts of it because our, our party last year had the highest representation of votes. However, as as we we are understanding, it's likely to be no over control, and we'll work with anybody that we possibly can to try and improve the city. Um, last year, we put the, the Lib Dems into into power and unfortunately some of their literature seems to just be attacking us despite us supporting them but in in terms of a city-wide i think we need to kind of focus on some of the areas such as Albert road such as such as commercial road we were promised regeneration of that around 20 years ago and unfortunately it hasn't been seen um in terms of award wide, we're the only party that offer a coffee morning every every month and we'll keep doing so just so people can come talk to us. We're always accessible and we can really support them. There's lots we can do on a local basis that they think that an MP would do when actually it's us. So I've already supported somebody with housing. I'll continue supporting people around. Um, there's been, as I said, that, that graffiti on the corner and I put I worked with an artist to put, put a mural up and I'll continue doing so and I'll continue working with Charlotte to again make the city and the ward greener, cleaner and safer. Thank you, Josh. Um, either of you want to make use of your 30 second rebuttal to come back on what the other had said? I think mine's more a comment that when you actually went the budget process is an interesting one because this year of course we had a, we we united over the budget but also that 90 96% of the budget is pretty much agreed on there's a very small fraction of the budget which is used um um in a in a more contentious way um and that's where the politics comes in but actually that's back to that stability we are lucky in Portsmouth because actually whatever the parties are they tend to, we tend to support, I think we're united around serving people in the city um, as as best as best we can. Thank you. Um, Josh, anything you wanted to come back on that? Um, I suppose it's more, we, we kind of just look at a general sense, like I think, unfortunately, we've seen a, a council budget that's kind of been cut quite dearly, but then there's still focus on some of another regeneration of Castle Road and then Gerald's unfortunate well, Gerald has kind of pushed us and, and tried to bully us a little bit, but um, we'll keep working regardless and um, and we'll try and make the city as amazing as it is. Okay, thank you. That leads us to our final question and always a difficult question for any politician or political candidate to focus on just one thing. I'm going to ask you to try. So if you are successful in this election, and you're looking back at the end of the term, what is the thing that you would like to have changed most? And can I ask that first to Joshua, please? Oh, that's a that's a slight change in the question. So, um, yeah, so if it was one thing, I'm looking for to, if I could get elected, well, when I get elected, I'm looking to work with the council specifically around criminal justice issues and supporting young people. In addition to that, I can offer support with them to achieve some of their dreams around making the city better and offering them support around, say, access to art or access to, to music and, and really supporting them that way. I, I kind of, I'm not here to try and like, like a, I'm just here to work with people around improving the city as a whole and and I think criminal justice and, and the social areas and in particular youth offending is something that I'd want to work with. Brilliant thank you Joshua. Same question please to Susie. Um, yeah I had like a, a list of 15 things that I've got in the pipeline but I think if I had to pick one um, and look in a couple in a couple of years or at the end of my next term, I'd want to have improved recycling for the for the residents in Central South Sea. And um, the ambition to um, within that time is to have glass and plastic recycling 
curbside. And I think there's going to be some interesting times around how rubbish collection um, rolls out, changes of bins, changes of sizes of bins, as we have the ability to recycle more things, but also to take that opportunity to then look at the street scene and the cleanliness stuff that I raised at the beginning. Perfect. Thank you, Susie. And thank you both to uh, sticking to that. Anybody want to come back on anything? In which case that leads us now on to our, that's the end of our questions. It will lead us on to closing addresses just while Simon gets uh, Alicia's closing address together. We'll just remind people there's a little QR code in the top of the screen. If you scan that, it will tell you all you need to know about voter ID. And as we've said before, the worst vote that you can possibly uh, that can possibly happen on May the 4th is the vote that is not cast. So please, whoever um, you have chosen as your elected candidate, make sure you get out on May the 4th and put that X in the box. Simon, are you poised? Like a coiled zebra. Marvellous. Then the floor is yours. Excellent. Uh, this is a closing speech uh, for Alicia Denny. Um, Integrity, transparency and efficient use of resources should be key to all decisions made in the council chamber, but I fear this is not always the case. There often seem to be other things going on behind the scenes with opposition councillors as well as affected residents kept in the dark about the potential end result of initiatives. Perhaps the chaos in the planning department is a symptom of this. Having previously served on the City Council, I feel I have unfinished business and that I want to continue to contribute my experience, skills and personality to improve my home city and the lives of its fantastic community-minded residents who deserve a better administration. I regularly volunteer with the Food Bank in Summers Road and sad though it is to know there is much poverty and hardship in Portsmouth, it's heartwarming to see the regular selfless generosity of people who donate to other le others less fortunate than themselves. The homes and businesses of Central South Sea are at the heart of the city and its residents deserve the best schools, health services and community provision. I can be a strong voice to champion the needs and wishes of all residents. And that concludes um, Alicia Denny's closing speech. And so, um, and so next uh, would be Susie, please. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to, to reflect on, on, on why I do this. Sometimes people ask us that. And I think I first stood, I was, ne I was never a career politician, but I, I first stood, I was persuaded to stand. And actually the reason I did it is because I wanted to make a difference in my community. I was already embedded in my community and I, and I, and I wanted um, um, a, a chance to have more influence on it. Um, I also wanted to make a difference to the culture of politics. It was um, very combative when I first got involved in um, Portsmouth politics. And I think as a female councillor, along with other female councillors, I do think there has been a shift in the, in the culture there from, from all parties. Um, I also, um, as a as a, a role model in and the, my belief in in education, um, I wanted to be a more positive role model to other young women out there. I have learnt so much. Lots of armchair specialists out there, but when you actually get into the role, there is it is so complex, but also a great honour to be able to influence your own city. Thank you, Josh. Yeah. So. As you know, and as, as I've explained, so my name is Josh Allen, so I'm the, the Labour candidate for Central South Sea. I'm a resident in South Sea looking to get elected so I can work with lots of different people about improving our city. I think it's been crying out for, for some uh, investment for a considerable amount of time and I'll continue working with Stephen Morgan and I'll continue working with my ward colleagues to try and make the city cre um, to try and make the city greener, cleaner and safer. Um, and I want access to better access to public services. I'll work hard all year round to try and improve the city, whether it's murals, green spaces, or the safety of its citizens. I will work hard. Okay. Thank you, Josh. Thank you to Susie and Josh um, for taking the time to uh, be with us this evening. And thank you to Alicia for sending in uh, a statement. So again, this is uh, our next hustings will be on Sunday evening at 1827. Good luck to you both for the rest of your campaign. Two weeks to go. So uh, you're, you're getting there. Just 14 more days of 
or 13 days of hard graft and then a really late night. So thank you to both. And you've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. And our guests have been Susie Horton from the Liberal Democrats and Joshua Allen from the Labour Party. I've been Simon Sansbury. Uh, please join us uh, for our next episode at 627 uh, on Sunday. Uh, don't forget, scan the QR code in the top left-hand corner if you need any more information about voter ID. The links are on our website. Um, and, or, and do hit the like, follow, subscribe uh, buttons wherever you um, absorb our content. And um, thank you very much for our candidates uh, for taking part this evening. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live, we normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa. Play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. Getting Pompey Politics Podcast from Amazon Music. Alexa, the latest episode. stop. See? It's easy. <laughs>